Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Sometimes it's just hard to push all of life aside long enough to let the word really take and do a work that he needs to do. And so let's just ask him to help us today. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for the presence of the Holy Ghost that we feel in this pres- in this place tonight. We thank you for your presence and it is not anything that we take for granted. But we ask you today, God, to let your holy anointing rest in our heart and lives. Be our strength and our help here today, God. In the name of the Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. Thank you very, very much for your uh, response to the word of to the worship tonight. I also want to say thank you for, uh, for your response to Brother and Sister McGuire this weekend. Amen. What a great couple. And I said to you, not it certainly wasn't a one-way street. They certainly blessed our heart and, and our mind and... Uh, and uh, after after service, we had uh, a little uh, a meal here at church, and then they also spoke to one of our departments about a ministry in our church that we would like to cultivate in the near future. And, and uh, so I just appreciate their time and their investment, and um, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit more about his opinion of you in just a little bit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Well, I have your attention until I get to that point anyway, that's for sure. The book of 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 37. 2 Chronicles 6 and 37. I'm going to read down through verse number 39 and um, so that you won't just try to have to figure out where we are. Um, this particular passage of Scripture talks about uh, after the dedication of the temple of Solomon, his prayer and uh, and his prayer was a very powerful prayer. I've referred to it just countless times, not only here but in other places. But at how intentional Solomon was in his prayer, in his prayer of dedication of the temple. As a matter of fact, if you and this is not in my text, but if you were to back up uh, a little bit into verse number twelve of chapter six. Uh, the Bible talks about Solomon building a scaffold in a, a specific place before the congregation. And there he knelt and prayed before all the people so that they could not only see him but hear him in this prayer. And uh, a, a very moving prayer, and it's well worth your time, not tonight, right now at least, but later tonight, well worth your time to read this prayer in its entirety. And uh, it's, it's a very moving prayer. But I just want to jump here in the middle, slice off a little bit, and, um, and let's just make a journey together. I want to speak to you this evening from this subject, good to great, good to great. 
The Bible says in verse uh, 37, if they, talking about the children of Israel, if they bethink themselves in the land, whether they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they have carried themselves captive and pray and pray toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city that thou hast chosen, and toward the house, talking about this house, the house, the, the temple of Solomon, pray toward the house which they have built for thy name. Then Solomon asked this, Then hear thou from heaven, from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive the people which have sinned against thee. Amen. Forgive the people which have sinned against thee. What a powerful, powerful prayer that Solomon prays here. This morning I was... Uh, reading through uh, the prayer of Solomon. And uh, as I've said so many times, this prayer is fascinating to me on many, many levels that somebody could think this far ahead of the curve and say, Lord, if they, if they can't get here, if they can just look toward here. And uh, I don't think it's in the exact positioning of that, but I think that God knows the thoughts and the intent of our heart. And certainly, um, it's a powerful thing to me to be able to come to the house of the Lord. And uh, I mentioned something Sunday about prayer, and we're going to be talking again about prayer this evening. But um, And I was talking about having a time of prayer and a place of prayer. And I'm thankful for those things, and I'm thankful for the opportunities to be able to do that. But I think we would all agree that there are just sometimes there's just nothing like the house of God to pray. Amen. Not always possible, not always feasible. But uh, I'm thankful to be able to, to have a place that I can go. I don't want to sound absurd, but I'm just thinking that if the situation were just right in my life, if I couldn't get here, I might want to try to figure out where it was, if I could just turn toward it. And pray, and I'm not trying to sanctify the brick and mortar, but it is a place where God has met with me. And uh, this prayer begins in verse 13, and it runs all the way through the end of the chapter, which is verse 42. And uh, there's a lot of aspects of this prayer that could certainly be our focus, and any one of them would be well worth our time. But I felt more specifically drawn to these three verses because, to me, there is a parallel in these verses and what we find in the next chapter, which is a very common verse when we are thinking about prayer, and that is Second Chronicles 7 and 14. That scripture says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. And so within this passage of Scripture, this one verse of Scripture, I think there are some very powerful truths. And if the Lord will just help me and help all of us, I want to just go through here and, and let the Lord just mine a few of these treasures out. Surely we haven't pumped this well dry. I just don't believe there's any such thing. Several years ago, I read a book entitled 
what the title of my message is tonight, a book by a man by the name of Jim Collins. And uh, the title of the book is Good to Great. And uh, I want to borrow uh, just the title here this evening. It's really uh, more of a, I don't know if this is the right word, but more of a secular book. It's really written uh, more along the lines of leadership or about business and things of that nature. Um, the book in and of itself in summary, is, is the study, it's a five-year study that Jim Collins put together a team of people, a massive team of people. Um, and they did a five-year study of, of, I believe, 28 major companies. And uh, they were comparing companies, various companies that had, were similar trades. And uh, they were looking at these companies while some of them doing the very same thing, plateaued, or even some of them failed, and yet others of them succeeded. And so they were trying to just take an internal look at what made companies continue to soar upwards when others failed. I remember just one of those offhand, and I'll just share that with you. Uh, one of the studies was a study done about pharmacies. And two of those that were mentioned was Walgreens and Eckerd's. Some of you are old enough to remember Eckerd drugs here this evening. And uh, while Walgreens continued to climb and excel and spread, Eckerd's doing the very same thing failed. And so it was just an interesting thing. And um, and th that's that's as much as I'll say about that if you're interested it's an old book a good book but you can buy the book if you're interested but the premise of it all was this that being a good company is the very thing that kept them from becoming a great company and that is because people had the mindset that we're we're doing well we're doing okay and in the middle of this good they they failed to excel and become great when the potential was right there. The customer base was right there. Everything was right there. And so, but if, if we ever get satisfied with just being good, we have to understand that we forfeit the opportunity to become great. And so in short, good can become the enemy of great. Now, I, I, I say this humbly, and I want you to stay alone for the whole ride. If you get up and walk out after this statement, you're going to misunderstand everything. But I really think that we have a good church. I really do. I don't say that because of the leadership. I don't say that because of uh, any, any, any uh, selfish reason. And I, that is certainly not to say that we're a perfect church, but I do believe that we have a good church. I, I appreciate every person that helps us achieve anything that is accomplished here on a weekly basis. Now, uh, you know, it's, um, it's pretty evident that that's people that are up front and perhaps out front, their faces become recognizable in time, their names become recognizable, but there's, there's many names that are behind the scenes that are working and diligently doing equally important things. You know, at the end of a play or at the end of, 
uh, any uh, movie or whatever, there's going to be a lot of names that go by. Well, the first few you recognize, and then they're all running so fast. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that it took behind the scenes. There were a few stars that were at the center stage, and, and they were the ones signing autographs. But there was just a host of people that were working behind the scenes. And so it is, it is the very, very same thing here. And so if I were to start naming names and ministries one by one, we would certainly be in trouble in just a little while. But I think it's safe to say that as a church that we are not content to have church just within these four walls. I believe that the kingdom of God is central to every heart that's in our church. And I think that is proven time and time and time again. Our, 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 missions, our missions commitment at the beginning of every year uh, is a very telling tale of where our heart really is. And it makes possible uh, to be able to invest in, in other people and other things and to be able to reach around the world to make a difference in the lives of, of, uh, of others. And so just a few weeks ago, I received a phone call uh, from Brother Brian Kinsey, who pastors the church in in uh, Pensacola and has assumed the pastor many years ago of the church from Brother Paul Welch and uh, Brother Paul Welch's father, Brother D.L. Welch, was the founder of that church and uh, it was Brother D.L. Welch whose ministry, if you mention his name anywhere, uh, that is a very recognizable name. It was Brother D.L. Welch that was preaching a revival in a tent where my grandparents saw the revelation of the Godhead and and, uh, baptism in Jesus' name and it became... A very essential, a very essential part of where we are here this evening, and uh, they are building a Bible college in in Africa, and uh, they were just doing a final, a final push to raise some funds, and uh, they, and this is not why I did it, but I felt to do it. I felt the Holy Ghost move on me while He was sharing this vision with me. The vast majority of the money is already raised, but there was just a. Uh, a few a few thousand dollars that was left, and he was reaching out to some friends, and and so he had he really doesn't know the backstory to what I just shared with you, and and he said I just want to let you know I had already in my mind felt that this is what we should do, and and um, he just said I want you to let you know that that where whoever contributes to that we're going to put the name of the church, and that's going to be on a plaque, and. Uh, in the lobby of this thing, and I, and so I just thought, well, you know, that's a that's a nice gesture, but whether a plaque with our name is there or not, our name is going to be there, and uh, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that uh, that we have the privilege to be able to make an investment into lives, and and of course, you hear from missionaries who come here all the time that talk about the power of Bible schools in their countries because you're you're equipping and you're educating and you're sending. Uh, people from that country. What a powerful, powerful premise that is to ministry. And so I, I don't want to get belabored with that, but I'm thankful that, that your heart is in missions and, and we're able to do those things. We strive diligently as a church to become a, a beacon of hope to a lost world. We do that, not just, not just around globally, but right here in our own communities and where you live. Now, to, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're not a good church because of me or we're not a good church because you attend here. I believe what makes a good church, what makes this a good church is the fact that we're built on the right foundation. We don't gather here week in and week out to just merely share personal opinions or what may be right or what we think. I think it's a good church because we are built on the word of God. 
I believe we are in the will of God and I believe we love the ways of God. I really believe that. I really believe that in the, in the heart of hearts that we really love the Lord. It's a good church because we're not ashamed to worship the Lord. Amen. You just let the music start. <laughs> you let a prayer meeting begin and there's just the, the spirit of worship that is here. I'm thankful that we don't have to have somebody try to shame us into praise and worship. We're not ashamed of our message of separation from the world. The Bible is, is uh, replicit with, uh, with scriptures that remind us to come out and be separate, saith the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. We're intentional about keeping Jesus Christ at the center of everything we do, no matter what event we may organize. We're doing so with intentional ministry in mind. Please don't ever forget that. Whatever we organize, we're doing it with intentional ministry in mind. Sometimes we organize things for the sake of reaching someone outside of the church. A few weeks ago, we had a community effort. That wasn't about eating. That wasn't even about singing. That wasn't about playing music. That was about trying to reach into the life and touch someone that we may not get an, out, an opportunity to reach them any other way. We also sometimes organize events for ministers that organize events that will minister to the saints of our church. Amen. The saints that make up this congregation, we call that in reach. We want to take care that while we're reaching outside of these walls that we don't forget the people that are inside of these walls. We want to do things that encourage us and strengthen us. We also have a ministry that we refer to as upreach and that is where we want our leaders to continue to grow in themselves. And so from time to time, we're gonna have somebody come and speak to our leaders or at least some group of our leaders because we want to keep reaching to become better. One of the greatest compliments that we will ever receive from a guest, a guest minister, especially because they're gonna meet us on a different level it's not how well the property is maintained or how the building looks, although I think that's important, but the greatest compliment that we will ever receive is similar to the one, I'm here, we're similar to the one that was shared with me this weekend with Brother McGuire. Brother McGuire told me after church how much he enjoyed being here because of how connected he felt that you were to the word of God. And he said, I can tell these people really love the word of God. And just for your information, you really can tell that when you're speaking to somebody that loves what is going on. When, I'm not just talking about loves the person or the personality or loves the scripture or loves how the sermon is put together. But there's just something about people that connect to the word of God. It is very telling. Almost every guest speaker, a matter of fact, I would just say everyone. I can't think of, uh, of uh, one in many, many, many years that hasn't said something about that. I'm grateful to hear things like that because it makes me feel, not being patted on the back, but it makes me feel like that we're doing something right, that we're building something on a firm foundation. Amen. And so here is my concern. Amen. I'm thankful for all that, but here's my concern. I don't want the blessings that God has currently given us to cause us to be rocked to sleep to think that this is, you know, this is it. We have reached the pinnacle and we, are, we have arrived, so to speak, because don't ever forget that good can become an enemy of great. As good as I believe this church is, I believe that it, be can, that it can be greater. Amen, I believe that. I wanna pause here long enough to make one thing abundantly clear. When I say I think we can be a greater church, that's not a pet rally statement. I really mean it with all my heart. 
Amen. Not only do I say that because I believe it, not only do I say that because I feel it in my heart, but many years ago, the Lord gave me a vision of this church and its future, and it was just a glimpse. I wish, I wish so many times the Lord would have just let me camp out there for just a moment, but he just opened up a veil, just kind of pulled back the curtain and let me see something for just a moment. And I'll tell you what, I am not willing to lose sight of that. I'm not willing to lose sight of that. And so I believe that God has us in his hands and we must be very, very diligent that we don't just feel like, you know what, we've got everything we need because God has something greater in store for us. Praise the Lord. I want us to look at 2 Chronicles 7 and just as an overview very, very quickly. God had demonstrated as we get to chapter 7 how that he had accepted uh, the prayer that Solomon prayed. When Solomon finished praying and chapter one opens up, chapter seven rather opens up at the end of his prayer, God demonstrated his approval of that prayer and the temple and everything that had happened. He, uh, he did that by sending fire to consume the sacrifice in verse number one. And then in verses two through 11, the Bible talks about he feel, that he filled the temple with his glory and that the people there worshiped. Amen, they worshiped in humility and they gave sacrifices unto the Lord. In verses 12 through 22, God tells Solomon that he will bless Israel if they will honor him. He will be with them and he will bless them as long as they honor him. But if they refuse to honor him, then there's going to be some serious consequences. And these are, it's a very, very interesting passage of scripture. In verse 14, about middle ways of all of that, God promises in, in our, in, in second Chronicles 7, 14, he, he promises to hear them, he promises to heal them, and he promises to help them. He really does. Amen. If we will turn to him, if they, in that case, would turn to him, but it speaks to us today, if we will turn to him, these promises are here. Now, I realize that many people, maybe not all, but many people have read 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 many times. We've heard it referred to many times, and it's a great message. But I want to just peel this layer by layer for just a few moments. We won't be here till midnight, just, just before midnight. But we will be, we're just going to peel back layer by layer and just see what the Lord has in store for us. You can always flesh out the carnal people when you say things like that. Amen. They're the ones staring at their neighbors going, oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord. But I am just teasing. It'll only seem like midnight. That's my promise. It'll only seem like midnight. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, if my people. I think there's a very intimate connection with the Lord. I'm thankful that he is my personal Savior. Amen. I'm very, very humble to be able to pray, our Father, which art in heaven. Amen. This is a very personal thing with me. Amen. It's not, when I speak of God, I'm not talking about a foreign entity. I'm not talking about somebody I had an encounter with when I was 17 or when I was seven. I'm not talking about something my grandparents talked about or aunts or uncles, but I'm thankful that it is a very personal relationship with the Lord. Amen. I, I, I find great solace in the fact that God claims those. I don't just have to claim him, but I'm thankful that God claims those Amen, that are in relationship with him. And, and I don't have this for the screen, but Hebrews eleven sixteen says, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. 
<laughs> wow. Amen. God is not ashamed to be called your God. He's not ashamed to be called my God. I am thankful for a promise like that. The relationship that we have with him is as intimate as a father with any of his children. It is an intimate relationship. Now, I understand that that is a blanket statement and perhaps not everybody had an intimate relationship with your father. But I will say this, it is as intimate as a relationship with his children should be. Amen. Romans 8 and 15 says, we have received the spirit of adoption. First John 3, 1 and 2, he calls us the sons of God. Amen, it is a very close and intimate connection that God desires to have with his people. I am glad that he knows my name. I'm glad that he recognizes my voice when I call, when I pray, when I say, I don't, I'm thankful that I don't have to walk in with a prayer closet and treat it like it's Sam's, gotta show my card at the door, prove I am who I am. I'm glad that I can just whisper his name and he understands who I am, where I am. Amen, I am thankful for a Lord who will call us my people. That's my people. Amen, he said, if my people which are called by my name, that's not a casual passage of scripture to allow to slip past us. I think his name has a powerful connection. We bear his name, amen, before a world that does not know him. That's why it's important to talk about that name. We carry with us the responsibility of living like we belong to him. Absolutely, we should live and we should conduct ourselves in every facet of our lives like we are the children of the Lord. The Bible says, hallowed be thy name, holy be thy name. I pray that whatever I say, whatever I do, wherever I go, whoever's life that I touch, I pray that I can honor and hallow the name of the Lord, whether that's a casual transaction, a business transaction, a handshake, or just a simple conversation. I pray that the name of the Lord could be hallowed in everything that I say and do. That is a responsibility that every one of us have, not just veteran Christians, but every one of us have that. The Bible says, amen, in 1 John 2 and 6, he that saith he abide in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Amen, he said in other words, he that says you abide in him, you ought to walk like you abide in him. You ought to walk like he walks. You ought to talk like he talks. It's a very, very simple equation. Is this how Jesus would respond? Is this what Jesus would say? How would I treat this situation if the Lord was here in person? How would I, would I do this if he was here? Would I say that if he was here? Amen. And so he said, if you abide in me, then we have to walk in that same manner. Simon Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 21, he says of Jesus, he left us an example that we should follow his steps. Follow his steps. I remember uh, many, many years ago, we were away uh, preaching out of town and, and the pastor of the church there had an old Willis Jeep and uh, they lived out in an area of the of their state like we do here, filled with a lot of uh, dirt roads and things of that nature, an old Willis Jeep, and it had uh, small, that were the same size perhaps as a, as a four-wheel drive tire sort of, but it had a tractor tread on it. 
And uh, so he said it had just rained. So he said, here, just take this Jeep and you can ride out what we may call the Flatwoods out here. And I didn't know where I was, but he said, don't worry about it. He said, because it's a unique tire print. And he said, wherever you go, just go back. You just find, you just, <laughs> you just find the tracks. And it was, it was a, you know, it was a pretty foolproof plan. And so, boy, we just had the biggest time riding around all these places, but we could always find our way back because there was a path, there was a track. And so I'm, I'm here tonight to tell you that we made it. <laughs> we, uh, we made it. And so Simon Peter said of Jesus, he left us an example that we should follow his tracks. And so you want to know how to live like the Lord? If we want to know how to do right and how to be right, all we have to do is just follow the example of the Lord. Not only that, I believe that God has put good people in our lives that we can follow their life. We can follow their example. I believe I have scripture for that. When Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen, this was not some Jim Jones wannabe that was saying, just follow me out into the wilderness where there is no answer for the questions. No, but he said, follow me as I follow follow Christ. And so I believe today that one way we can follow Christ, we say, well, how are we going to follow the Lord? I mean, he's not here physically to leave tracks, but I believe he's put people all around us that are filled with his spirit. And if you want to know how to live, look at how they're living. If you want to know how to walk, walk like they're walking. If you want to know how to talk, amen, talk like they're talking. There's great examples all around, all around for us. Amen. So one thing Amen, that we can do to make this good church greater is for us to acknowledge that we have a connection. I mean a first right and a first hand connection to the King of Kings. Amen, there is no doubt in my mind that that God challenged his people in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 and the challenge was this, if you will humble yourselves and pray. Amen, there's a challenge that is thrown down that God has just thrown down the gauntlet. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray in context of this particular passage of scripture, Israel had come to the place where they had admitted that they could not help themselves out of this situation. We're in deeper than we can dig out. We're in further than we can ever get our way home. And so they were challenged to admit their total dependence upon the Lord, Jehovah. Amen. And so that's the same challenge that we face today. Amen. We want the Lord's power in our life. If we want the Lord's power in our life, and if we want the Lord's power in our church, then we've got to come to the place where we readily admit that our efforts alone will never be sufficient. We cannot do this alone. We cannot do it by ourselves. I don't want to imply anything here or indict anyone innocent in this statement, but I, I think that because we're all human, that there is a tendency from time to time to believe that we can do this ourselves. Amen. You don't have to get up and run around. You don't have to break out crying or anything. I just believe that we've all been there on some level to some degree. And I, I know that perhaps you, you've taught Sunday school enough to think, you know, man, I, I know it's Saturday night and I really didn't get a chance to say, but you know what, I've, I've been doing this a long time. I can probably get this. I can probably handle this. I understand the natural side of that. 
Well, you know, we, we've been singing this song a lot of times and I, I, I know I hadn't prayed about this, but I believe we, we know the words of the song. Musicians probably know how to play the song on and on and on. We can get in our mind that we can do this, but I, I speak to every leader and I speak to anybody that's ever been in that position. There have probably been times when we thought that, maybe we didn't even consciously think that, but we were just exhibiting some of those characteristics and God just kind of stepped to the side. Amen. I feel like I've preached one more than one message in my lifetime by myself. I don't think because I was being pompous, I'm not trying to suggest that, but I think from time to time the Lord will just step to the side and just say, I want you to feel this without me. You ever been lifting something heavy? You've been on one end and you're thinking, man, somebody else must have really got gypped here in this situation because I don't feel like I've got a whole lot. That's how it's supposed to feel when you got the Lord on your side. But when the, somebody is not there, I'm gonna tell you it's a grinding, it's a grinding weight. And when we have to come to the place where we realize that it is not our effort, talent, ability, our ability to organize a program and pull it off a, pro, pull off a program because it is the anointing that breaks or it is the anointing rather that destroys the yoke. And so you can't, I can't talk somebody off uh, out of sin and you can't sing somebody out of sin. We can't, we can't entertain somebody out of sin. It is the anointing of God that is going to destroy the yoke. And so that's why his people that are called by my, his name have got to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I need you today. I need you today. This may be the very last opportunity. I don't wanna try this on my own. I need you today. Amen. When we humble ourselves, we're admitting that I don't have any faith in my own ability, but I need you, Lord. When we call on his name, we are declaring that our faith is in him and it is not in us. Now, I'm not saying that tonight to try to, to just destroy any confidence that we may have in ourselves. I believe that we need to have a measure of confidence in ourselves, but our real confidence needs to be in him. That's where we rest. He said, if you will seek my face. Now, this phrase, of course, is pretty uh, self-explanatory, but it's to seek, uh, to require, to desire, to inquire. Uh, it is not only to humble ourselves before him, but we need to live our lives in a fashion where we are hungry for him. You know, if you're not hungry, no, no matter what somebody mentions, no, nah. no. Nah. We've been just riding down the road. I mean, people are calling off some names of some pretty good restaurants. You know, but when you're hungry, nobody has to suggest anything. I mean, a Pepsi and a pack of peanuts, that's great if you're just hungry. And, and sometimes we come to the house of God, let's just admit it, and we're so full of other things. We're just barely here. I'm not being unkind, I'm just being truthful. We're just barely here. We're like a sponge that's just been pulled out of a pail of water. There's just nothing left to absorb anything else. We're just so full of other things. And so that's why we can sit through songs without worship. And that's why we can, that's why we can curl our noses. Oh, that's not my favorite one. Or that's not, and we can just kind of take and pick and choose. It's because we're not hungry. But when you're hungry, you know, I, I, I want to say this, and I'm not at all trying to sling any guilt whatsoever, but just a few days ago, Sister Gibson was talking to me, and she said, she said, you just don't know how much you need church until you can't get to church. 
And here they are in a situation confined to their home for days on end. And I'm not saying that to make anybody here feel guilty. It's just the fact of the matter that how much it means just just to be here just a little bit and whatever I can get, amen. And, and this past Sunday, of course, Brother Gibson couldn't stay for the whole service, but he was so glad to get what he could get, amen. She was glad to get what she could get. And so we just have to have in mind here that in our life, there should be nothing greater than God, nothing, amen. We've got great examples of this, great examples of this in scripture. Paul, just one example in the New Testament said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Amen, I wanted just it to be about him. David said one thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to what? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What a privilege it is to be able to be here tonight on this Wednesday evening. Amen. I know a long list. As a matter of fact, he just read a long list of people that would love to be in the house of the Lord tonight. But situations, circumstances, sickness is keeping them at bay. But oh, that I could be in the house of the Lord, David said, that I might just behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire at his temple, in his temple. And so these examples paint a very clear picture of every, for every one of us. It's a portrait of those that are seeking the Lord above anything, anything else. And then he says in this same, in this same verse, and turn from their wicked ways. Whenever you're turning from one thing, it would only seem obvious that you're turning toward another thing. And so it's not just turning from our wicked ways, but we need to embrace the powerful ways of the Lord. Amen. We're challenged to turn and walk in a new direction. And so if we want the Lord to bless us like he desires to and like he can, then we're going to have to search with all of our hearts everything that we can. I want to search for anything that wouldn't be pleasing to the Lord. Amen. I want to denote that thing that might be leading me away from God. And when we find something that's hindering us, then I need to turn from it and I need to turn toward the Lord. Anything that gets in my way, anything that hinders me, I've got to be honest about that. I have got to be honest about that. I mentioned something a few services ago about idols. I know it's 2019 and everybody looks at you when you mention idols like you fell off a, a train or something. Amen. And because we're thinking about statues and things of that nature. But you see, an idol can be anything that comes between us and God. Amen. Money, that can come between us and God. Our job can become between us and God. So, well, I got to work. I got to make a living. I got a family to feed. The Bible said if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I need some people that have exercised that scripture now. Amen. I need some people that not have just read it. I don't need people that have just read it and memorized it, but I need people that have lived that and said, you know what, God, I'm gonna put you first. And he just supplies all of our other needs. Amen, we can get caught up in possessions and status and, and we can let pride get between us and the Lord or a relationship with another person. Amen, we can let immorality or lust, anything, stealing. We can let, there's a long, long list. As a matter of fact, you can let hobbies It's the truth. Anything, you can just leave the line blank because whatever gets in between you and the Lord, amen. 
And so if we identify those things in our life, then the way to deal with that is to confess it, put it on the table. And I say, Lord, I, I want to turn. I don't want that to get in my way anymore. I've said it many times. Whatever you let get in your way this time, I promise you will be there next time. Whatever talks you out of prayer in the morning, it'll be there Friday morning. It'll be there Saturday morning. Be, he'll have his twin there on by, by Sunday or Monday. There'll be a, a multitude of things that are in the way. I gotta keep that brushed out of the way. I gotta keep it beat back. He said, if you will do that, then will I hear from heaven. Of course, this entire promise, this entire powerful prayer of promise is predicated. It is balancing on one small two-letter word, if. Amen, it is if, if my people which are called by my name. It's all balancing on what you and I are gonna do. And so when we deal with that if in our lives, then we are assured that God will hear us. We know, or at least we should know, that sin breaks the line of communication between man and God. Amen, sin breaks the line. I read a scripture today. Man, it just, just, it just, it just pierced my heart. I read it to my wife. I said, I, I, I just want to read you something. I'm going to read it to you tonight. Psalm 66 and 18. You've probably read it many, many times. But David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Wow. So just go ahead and nurse that grudge. Just go ahead and keep that alive in your heart that shouldn't be there. But he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So this is not about until somebody makes it right. This is not about until somebody balances the scale. This is not about until somebody comes crawling down to my feet. And, but he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, that he's not going to hear me. I gotta do something about whatever it may be in my heart, regardless of whatever the other person does or that other situation. I've got to get iniquity out of my heart or I'm going to stop the window of heaven. I'm going to close off that. Amen. So when sin in our lives is dealt with, he said we are pleasing to him. Amen. He will incline his ear toward our prayer. And I want you to think of something with me. I just want to pose a question. Can you think of anything more powerful than an unhindered prayer life? I've had time to think about it, so I'll give you a moment. But can you think about that? An unhindered prayer life. The Bible talks about how men are to treat their wives lest your prayers be hindered. <laughs> you just go ahead and call her a battle axe if you want to. When you kneel down in prayer, you got a fog between you and heaven. Amen. I might have just lost a little favor there, but it's still the truth. That's the word. You, 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 you got to honor lest your prayers be hindered. So can you think of anything more powerful than an unhindered prayer life? That when you pray, it doesn't have to filter itself through a bunch of junk. I got iniquity in my heart. The Lord's not listening. Haven't been treating people around me right. My prayers are being hindered. Amen, I'll move on. <laughs> Psalms 84 and 11. He said, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will I withhold from them 
that walk uprightly. What a powerful promise. He said, then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, that's a tremendous promise. And I'm going to ask our musicians to come, if you will. But not, not only will we be changed as a result of our commitment to him, but the effects will reach far beyond the walls of this church. And this local church can impact the world around us for the glory of God, not for self-glory. In other words, when, when we meet God's expectations, he will bless us with his power. When we find a place that honors him, we will see God take a good church and make it even greater. I really believe that with all my heart. I think you know this, but in closing, I just want to make sure. When I, I speak of the church, I'm, I'm not merely talking about a building. While I'm very thankful to have a, a place that we can come, and I'm, I say that very seriously, and I say that very, very humbly. When I think of all the the churches in Florida and around, but certainly in Florida because of my involvement with the District of Florida. And I think about all the the home mission churches and North American mission churches that don't really have a place to worship. And they have a lease on a building, but that could be gone with anybody with deeper pockets and we all know that they don't have a place to call their own many of our many of our churches share a, a sanctuary with a, another church sometimes not even of our faith often not of our faith and so they have that building certain hours on Sunday and they have that building certain hours on a midweek so they don't have the privilege just to go stop by during the day and pray you don't have the opportunity to do that because it's not their building. And so I'm when I, I hear of those situations and aware of those situations, I'm I'm very thankful that we have a place that we can come. So but when I'm talking about the church, while I appreciate the building, I'm not merely talking about the building, I'm talking about the people. I'm actually I'm talking about you. We're blessed to have people in our church like you we really are we really really are and as I said a moment ago we have a guest minister like we did this past weekend I am often asked about the history of our church and frankly it's a story that never gets old to me Amen. brother uh, McGuire wrote home with me from Ocala from our men's conference Saturday and and as he was asking me a little bit about the history of our church and so the closer we got, I was able to just share with him the history of our church and, and actually show him where it began in a tent meeting. And um, I just have to give pause. It, it, it really, sincerely, it just gives me pause to think about how precise the Lord was and how good he's been. 79 years ago, he began to deal with some hearts, and we're here tonight because of that. Amen. This past January, of course, we, we celebrated Sister Boyd and I and this congregation, our 30th pastoral anniversary. And the, I've, I've referred to this a few times, but in the months leading up to that, it caused a lot of reflection in our heart and life. And 
It was just humbling to see how God has worked so many things out. But I will say this in addition, you have your own story. You know exactly where you were when the Lord brought you here. Amen. You know right where you were. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. You remember right where you were. And so with that said, we've all been very blessed. God has done a great work in our life. But as good as the church is today, it can become better. I want us to stand. And so if we ever get satisfied with a status quo, someone once defined status quo to say, do you know what status quo means, don't you? I said, no. I said, no. I think, but I knew he was going somewhere with that. He said, it means we're in a mess. <laughs> when you get satisfied with status quo, when you get satisfied with something plateauing and we're comfortable there. God has a way of reminding us. I got this in my hands. I probably have shared this story. I know I have individually. I may have shared it, probably have shared it publicly, but if I have, I just feel to do this right now. The word plateau I've used a few times tonight, but it's not a word especially um, that I use a whole lot. But a few years ago, I was praying and I was, and I just, in my prayer, I used that word. And it was kind of stood out to me because it's not a word I use all the time. I said, Lord, sometimes I just feel like we've plateaued. I just feel like we've plateaued. Sometime after that, my wife and I went away for a few days and um, we were in a cabin doing one of our favorite little getaways and we were in a cabin in North Georgia and I was sitting in the living room of that cabin and we had no cell service there at all but you could get a text message and I got a text message from a minister friend of mine and it said Brother Boyd I was just in prayer and the Lord told me to tell you something you have not plateaued. <laughs> he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to be that precise. But you see, the Lord doesn't want us to get satisfied with good and miss great. There's, so if we haven't plateaued, there's, that means there's something beyond and I want to keep stretching and I want to keep reaching. Amen. I want to turn my face toward him. I don't know if this has ministered to you tonight. I, I believe it has because it's God's word. Amen. Would you just find a place around the front? Jo join us. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. I'm asking you to pray for yourself tonight. I'm asking you to pray for yourself. If there's something that you need to get out of your heart. We This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.